life gives us a lot of suffering. It's not something we choose to go through. I mean, who here woke up this morning and went, I choose pain today? No. I mean, we might have have woke up with pain today, but we didn't choose it. It came upon us. Suffering is something we all go through. In the 42 years that I've been alive, I've battled porn addiction, drug use, gluttony, jealousy, rage, and the list could go on. I've gone through two heart attacks, two near-fatal car accidents, and two more heart procedures in my 30s. We all experience suffering. We all have stories. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all have stories. If you're online, put in chat, we all have stories. We all got them. We all have stories. And many times when we're going through hard seasons of life, we start to ask questions like, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why is it happening to the people that I love? Did I do something wrong? Did we do something wrong? What did I do to deserve this? I have a feeling that most, if not all, in this room and those watching online at some point have asked questions like these. It could have happened years ago, years ago or you could be asking questions like these right now. We live in a world of evil and suffering that affects our lives. And what we're going to see this morning is that no matter what we go through, God is faithful. Turn to your neighbor, smile, and with joy, say, God is faithful. Chat, tell me, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful to always keep his promises. In fact, Joseph mentions three of those promises in our text, and we're going to look at every single one. The first one that I want us to see is that whatever you are going through in this life, God is with you. God is always with you. Look at what Joseph says in verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It's amazing to see what Joseph says here. He doesn't romanticize what his brothers did to him. He just flat out says, you meant evil against me. I mean, he's going all the way back to Genesis 37 here. He's going all the way back to when the series of unfortunate events took place in his life. And it all started with losing his cloak. And it was pretty. It was colorful. It was beautiful. He loved it. He showed it off, flashed it wherever he went. But he lost a lot more than his cloak that day. He lost his safety, his family, his sense of connection. The life that he knew was gone. 
And from our standpoint, for the next 13 years of his life, he experienced a series of suffering. He serves in Potiphar's house where once again, his safety and security and connections were stripped from him. He gets tossed into prison where it was teased that he might be released by the, the, the king's cupbearer only for it to slip through his fingers. It's like every time he took two steps forward in life, life kicked him in the chest and knocked him three steps back. He just can't get ahead. And when we look at all the suffering that Joseph went through over that span of 13 years, it would be easy from our standpoint to say that God must be punishing Joseph. He must be abandoning him, or maybe it's both. But what does Joseph say? He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. This is a mind-blowing statement for Joseph to say. He's saying everything evil that happened to him, losing his family, being falsely accused, spending years in prison, that God was with him the entire time. And this is shocking for many of us to hear. How could the Bible say that from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 50, through all of that suffering that he went through, that God was with Joseph. How could it say that? That's because for most of us, when we assume God is with us, his presence is with us, then things are going our way. I mean, when, when people ask how we're doing and we respond with, I'm blessed, what do we usually mean? Things are going how I wanted them to. Things are going in my favor. Things are happening greater than my expectations. And when things don't go our way, what happens? We assume we did something wrong. We assume maybe God's mad at us. Maybe he's punishing us. Maybe he's abandoned us or all the above. The reason we feel this way, the reason we think this, is because it's really hard for us to see past the hurt that we're in. Summer of 1996. I'll never forget it. I'm a brand new Christian at this point. I'm 16 years old. I've been a Christian for about a year. And in that period of time, I began to sense God's calling into ministry, and it was an exciting and fearful moment in my life. Uh, the, my pastor came alongside me. He saw spiritual gifts growing in me and wanted to really push me forward, and there seemed to be this upward trajectory in my life, my, my, my physical life and in my spiritual life. Physically, I was a big boy. Y'all have heard some stories about how I was a big boy growing up. Well, I lost 100 pounds. I, I lost the weight. I was getting healthy. I was starting to gain more friends. I, spiritually and physically, everything's going up. And I'm excited for what's coming. I had all these hopes and all these dreams of what God was going to do. And then I woke up one morning, and it felt like someone hit me in the chest with a sledgehammer. 
I will never forget the pain. It's almost indescribable. And I, I crawl out of bed, and I, I literally crawling on the floor to my mother's room, and I, and I get my hand up over her bed, and I shake her awake, and she's startled, and she comes, and she falls on the ground with me, and, and trying to figure out what's going on, and she begins to pray over me, and we both begin to pray for over an hour, asking God, we don't know what's happening, but please take this away. And eventually, it does die down. I'm exhausted. My mom helps, helps me up, brings me to my room, and sets me in bed, and I fall asleep. And I sleep for 16 hours. Following evening, I wake up kind of groggy. And I make my way into the kitchen. My mom's like, you're alive. Great. She offers me a snack, and I'm not really hungry. I just take a sip of water, and I say, I want to go lay back down. And then the pain comes back. My mom didn't risk it at this point. She called 911, ambulance came, and rushed me to the hospital. And through a series of events, we learned that I had two heart attacks, and if I had a third, I wasn't going to make it. Eventually, God, uh, over the next couple of months, God brought into our life the number one heart surgeon in the entire world. And he offered to work on me for free. And he said there was an experimental procedure and, and he offered it to us and said, if you do this procedure, you can leave a no, you lead a normal life. No rejection medication, no blood thinners, no additional surgeries when you get older. Or we could go the other route. <laughs> and then I looked at my mom and I said, I want a normal life. Let's do this. And so the, the surgery was successful. Um, the, the whole hospital stay was free. The operation was free. The next two years of medical care were free. God was pouring his blessings out over me. But I remember lying in the hospital bed after all the needles and hoses had been removed. And I remember thinking, why me? I'm 16. Why am I going through this? What did I do, God? This doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you bringing this in my life? Why is this my road? It can be easy when things don't go our way to get blinded by our circumstances where we think God's angry at us, he's punishing us, he's abandoned us, or all the above but I want to show you something. I want to show you something Jesus says. He says this in John 15, verses 1 through 2. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not yield fruit, he takes away, and, now hear this, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might yield fruit more fruit. I want you to really hear that again. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may yield more fruit. Who's doing the pruning? 
Who's doing the pruning? You see, if we don't understand who's the one doing the pruning in that text, we're going to misinterpret all the pain and all the suffering in our life. Who's the one doing the pruning? Who's the one going up to an already healthy branch and cutting it so it bears more fruit? It's God. God is the one who prunes. And here's what's amazing. Jesus actually tells us the motivation of the Father going up to an already healthy branch and cutting it. He tells us why the Father prunes us. It's because Jesus is the true vine. We're attached to him. He is our source of hope. He is our source of strength. He is our source of life. He's our everything. So when, we're, when the Father prunes us, it's so more of Jesus pours into us. So we bear his fruit. And I believe when Joseph said this, when Joseph said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, he was looking back at all of his suffering and all of his pain his loss and his grief. And he declares, God was with me the entire time. God was with him just as much in the prison cell as he was in the palace. God never left him. and said God was with him every step of the way. We need to view our suffering like Joseph. Where even when life comes along and cuts us, we know that God's the one holding the scissors. Sometimes it's hard to see past our pain. Sometimes it's hard to see God in our midst, in our suffering. And that's why it's crucial to have a group of believers around you to love on you and encourage you. I had this and it was a game changer. In my life, when I was questioning why God would bring this into my life. I had a group of believers coming alongside me and loving me, pouring into me, opening God's word and showing me who he is for me. And I encourage you to do the same. Whether you've had pain in your past or pain now, I encourage you, join a life group. First life groups meet here every Sunday morning at 9.30. If you're not part of one, I deeply encourage you to become part of one. Join one. It's a wonderful time where not only do we get to open God's word together, but it's a place where you can lay all of your burdens and all of your pain on the table and experience God's love, care, and presence through his people. So whatever you're going through, take your first step to healing and join a life group. Whatever you're going through in your past or whatever you're going through right now, God has not left you. He's with you. He was with you then, and he's with you now. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God promises that he is always with you. And not only is he with you, but he's got a reason 
for everything that comes into your life. I believe that's the second promise that Joseph wanted us to see by making this statement is that not only is God with us, but he's got a reason for everything we go through. I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but stop pretending. Stop interpreting seasons of suffering and pain in your life as a lack of God's presence and as a lack of God's favor. There is a reason why God has you going through what you're going through. Look again, verse 20, look at it again. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, I want you to look at a single word here, and it's, a, it's subtle, and you'll miss it if you're not looking for it, and it's the word meant. And we've probably used this word countless times in our life without ever thinking about it, and when we use this word, the message we're relaying is that we intended to do one thing, and the outcome was different, Right? I meant to do the dishes, but I went to bed early. I meant to do the laundry, but I lost track of time scrolling through TikTok. Or if you have kids, I didn't mean to punch them in the face. Yeah, you did. <laughs> to use the word meant, we're saying that we planned to do one thing and the outcome was different. So it's amazing that Joseph uses the word meant when it comes to his brothers. They intended to do him harm when they stripped off the cloak and dumped him in a pit. They intended to do him harm when they greedily plucked him out and sold him off to slave traders to a foreign land. They intended to do harm. They intended to ruin his life. They intended to dethrone him from a position of importance in the family. They, they intended to remove him from that family. They intended for Joseph to die. They intended harm. But the outcome was different. Why? Why was the outcome different. What does Joseph say? Joseph tells us the reason why it was different. Look again. He says, you meant evil against me, but God. But God. I love those two words like I love the breath in my lungs. This is probably one of the most powerful two-word combination in all of creation. When you come across but God in your Bible, whether you have a physical Bible or one you're, one you're watching online, underline that thing, highlight it, because pay attention, something amazing is about to happen. And that's exactly what we see here. Something amazing happens. Joseph declares that all of those horrible things that happened to him, all of the evil that was thrown upon him and the suffering that he went through for 13 years happened for a reason. I shared my story with you about how I had my two heart attacks and my open heart surgery. I, I shared how I was blinded 
by my situation. And I couldn't see God working on my behalf. And I, I was still having these thoughts of why me, why me, why me? And as time passed, the, the numbness began to grow weaker. People loved on me, poured into me. And I, and I remember the time when I could finally open God's word because I wanted to. And it took a while. And even though God's favor was on me, his blessings were pouring over me, I had a hard time seeing how, how there could be any godly reason for any of that to happen. I loved Jesus. I, I knew that he had promises for me. I knew he had a future for me, but I had no clue what his reason was for me to go through all that. I could never see the reason for my pain, the reason for my suffering. I could have died on the floor. Why did God even save my life? I'm 16, two heart attacks, open heart surgery. I could have died anywhere in that process. Why did he even save my life? I don't get it. About a year later, God brought a young man into my life who had his own physical struggles, except he didn't believe in God. And I got to share with him my story, but I got to share a story of how God poured out his love and mercy on someone undeserving. And God used that story to not only comfort him, but lead him to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Fast forward to today. Leslie, where are you at? <laughs> I've been married to you for almost 20 years. Doesn't she look good? <laughs> and in that 20 years, we have joyfully served the Lord together. And by his hand, he's used us to lead many to saving faith. And even today, God's called us to plant a church where we continue to show everyone the love and saving mercy of Jesus Christ. I can see many reasons for all the suffering and all of the pain. And I still have reasons yet to discover. We are all tempted to identify with what we've lost, start labeling our lives according to our circumstances. But, don't, but, but your life is not controlled by the intentions of your enemy. Instead, your identity is found in a loving father who wants to use you different than you've ever expected. As you're going through something, as you're experiencing pain and suffering. God wants you to know that he loves you. He's with you and has a reason for what you're going through. Are you going through something right now where he's trying to show you his love, but you've remained blinded by your circumstances and you can't see it? Will we define our faith by our pain or by its outcome? Don't let the assumptions of who you are stop you from experiencing the blessings of God today. If this is the most difficult season of life that you're in right now, I need you to know God is with you and he has a reason for what you're experiencing. 
I believe what he's challenging us to do this morning is to see that through the worst possible moments of life, he will give us the greatest opportunities. You may not be able to see it in the moment, but God's hand is at work in your life. There's a lot we can learn from Joseph's statement here. He had every right to play the victim. Instead, what did he do? He chose to trust God. He never allowed disappointments to define his life. In the moments of suffering, he didn't, he didn't know why he was being brought through it. He didn't know why he lost all that he did. So he did the only thing he could do, and that was to trust in the love of God. Trust in his presence and trust in his promises. I know firsthand how hard that is. I was blessed to have people caring for me, loving me, pouring themselves into me to help me wrestle with my anger, my confusion, my, my distrust, my sorrow. Their encouragement and support are what helped me see beyond my circumstances and to trust God who has everything under control. Through their help, God showed me where he was. He showed me that he still loved me and showed me that he still has a plan for me. These people were a blessing on my life. If you're going through something right now, whether it's something recent or something old, we have people here at first just like this. They're called care groups. If you're going through pain and you're wrestling with questions of, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know what, what, how to deal with this. Join a care group. I encourage you, join one. If you want information about it, you can see myself, Dana, Pastor John, Pastor Ryan. We're here to guide you to care. These care groups are a safe place where caring people come alongside you to help you heal from the pain and appoint you to the only source of hope, help, and healing, Jesus Christ. God wants you to see that he is with you in the good times and in the bad. He wants you to see that he is with you this morning. He is with us and has a reason for everything we go through. But he also wants us to see that the outcome of everything brought into our life will be for good. God uses all things for good. And that's what Joseph says, isn't it? He says that in verse 20. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And, and that's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around. That last part, I mean, okay, sure. God, God's the one that brought the suffering and the pain. I, I can kind of see that. That's, that's a hard one for me to swallow, but Jesus did say, God, the Father comes and prunes and cuts. I, okay, I get that. I, I get that God has a reason for everything. That one's a little more palatable. I, I, I can kind of grab these two, but now you're telling me that good's gonna come from it? How? How 
is a husband walking out on their children meant for good? How, how can there be any good in that? How can someone falling into crippling addiction turn into good? How can the loss of a family member turn out to be good? How, how can good come from any of that? How can good come from any pain or any suffering? How can good come from my grief? How, how can good come from any of it? How could Joseph say with confidence that God meant all of his suffering for good? That he would turn all of it into good? How is that even a thing? That's like turning chocolate into, into vanilla. That doesn't make sense to me. Joseph was able to say this because he saw the good that came from it later. Well, what we didn't see from Genesis 37 all the way to this point is we didn't see Joseph every time suffering was happening going, oh, good's coming. He said it after. All of this is after the fact. He's saying after the fact, after he's gone through all of the pain and all of the suffering, he looks back and sees the good. The same is true for all of us. Before we can see the good that will come from the dark moments of life, we first have to go through it and then look back. I know that's true for me. It wasn't fun having two heart attacks. I can promise having open heart surgery is not a vacation. None of that was good in the moment. It didn't feel good. In my dark moment, in the moment, I couldn't see how any of it could be used for good. But I had to make it through my dark moment before I could see the good that came out of it. And now, now I see it. Now I see it. I can see the good that came from it, and I know more good is coming. God never said that everything we go through in life would be good. Instead, God is able to turn the greatest tragedy the greatest suffering, the greatest pain into something good. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, isn't it? He says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Good. And I believe James kind of puts the icing on the cake here when he says in James 1, verses 16 and 17, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the heavenly Father. Everything good we receive in this life comes from him. Whether it's through something or someone, it came from God. He is the one who gives us everything that's good. So when we look back on the dark moments of our life and we see the good that came from it, who's the one that gave it to you? It's God. All 
good things come from God. The parts of life that feel good are not always the parts that are good. Sometimes before we can experience the good that God has planned for us, we need to see the good in our minds. We need to take time to look back and reflect on where we've been to see what God is doing with us now. I wonder if some of us are struggling in our faith because we're waiting for our pain to go away. We're waiting for the suffering to go away. We're waiting to, to breathe. Seems like life keeps kicking us down. One thing after another is bad after bad. And we're struggling in our faith because we're waiting for God to just to make things easy. But God's been waiting for you to look back and see what he's done in your life. He wants you to look and see the progress you've made and the strength you have now. I admire weeds that grow through concrete. Do you think that was easy? But it's good when the weed looks back and sees where it's been. And guess what happens with that weed? That root is strong. How many of you have sprayed Roundup on that weed and it keeps coming back? Listen, I know some of you are in a dark place this morning. Whether you're here in this room or you're online, someone here is going through something. But just like Genesis 1, where the darkness was the prelude to the morning, your dark place is just the prelude to your purpose. Darkness doesn't want you to see your potential. Darkness wants to keep you dark. Darkness doesn't want you to see the fruit that's going to come from this. But God wants you to see the good. He wants you to reflect on what's happened because when you work through your disappointments, you'll discover your destiny. When you work through your sorrow, you'll experience joy. And when you work through your bitterness, you'll encounter wisdom. God doesn't call something good because how it made you feel. God doesn't call something good based on how much it filled up your expectations. God calls something good because it, it, it had a purpose. It served its purpose. And just like Joseph reflects back on his past and sees how God used evil for good, when you reflect on your dark moments of life, you'll begin to see God's plan for you and how he's used some of the darkest times in your life for more good than you could have ever expected. Real quick, I want you to go back to Genesis 50. Real quick, there's one more thing I want to show you. Genesis chapter 50, two verses later, verse 22. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived... 110 years. Woo! 110 years. Friends, do you know what this is saying? Joseph didn't die in the pit. Joseph didn't die as a slave. 
Joseph didn't die in prison. He didn't even die in midlife. He lived to 110. The dark seasons of life did not kill him. Why? Because when evil comes upon you, it's not a sign that God's finished with you. Instead, it's a sign, maybe, that God's just getting started with you. Joseph lived for 110 years, and in that period of time, he got to see a whole lot of good that came from his suffering. Verse 23, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. All of his pain, all of his suffering, all of the hardship, all of the darkness, Joseph saw so much good that came from it. And that good led to him being blessed, his family being blessed, his children being blessed, and his grandchildren being blessed. In the darkest moments of life, we can feel like there's no hope for us. But your hurt is not the end. Listen, and I really need you to hear me this morning. God's not done with you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but someone needs to hear it today. God is not done with you. Maybe you're here in person or you're online. You're feeling alone. You're feeling lost. You are hurt. You are burdened. You're confused. You are angry. But God needs you to know this morning he hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He has a reason for what you're going through. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. He's not going to waste any of your pain or grief. And he will prove to you, just like he proved to Joseph, that what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. He still has a purpose for your life. And it's a purpose that will bless yourself, your children, and generations to come. When you think about it, what happened with Joseph, with all the blessings that came from Joseph, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, Joseph. His immediate family was blessed. Israel was blessed. And what came from Israel but Jesus, our Savior and Lord. And now we, today, as believers, are experiencing the good that came through Joseph's suffering. Life is full of it, right? Life is full of suffering and it's full of pain. But even God himself knows pain. Jesus knows pain. He felt the pain of hunger. He felt the sting of thirst. He knows betrayal. He was falsely accused. He experienced being beaten and tortured. And he died on a cross. Praise God that we serve a God that knows pain. He knows pain and he knows your pain. And even for Jesus, what others meant for evil, the Father meant for good. Because three days later, he rose from the dead. And because of that great sacrifice and their resurrection, all who put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus will be saved. We all have stories. We all have dark seasons of life, hurt, pain, and shame that we are carrying around with us. But we will never know our purpose. We will never know peace. And we will never experience God turning evil into good if we do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
Jesus went to the cross and paid the price for our salvation. And because of that great sacrifice, salvation is available to you today. God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into this dark world to die for you on a cross. He did this because as the Bible says, we're all sinners. We're all stained from birth. We are separated from God and we needed someone to bridge the gap for us. And that's why the father sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price to cleanse us from all sins because we can't wash the, the, we can't wash the dirt of this world off on our own. It's like trying to wa- wash off mud with oil. That ain't gonna work. The only thing that can wash away our sins is the blood of Jesus. And if we call out to him, he will wash us clean. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you know you're not right with him and you want your sins to be forgiven, I encourage you this morning to call out to him. He wants you to experience peace. He wants you to receive hope and to discover your purpose. He wants to take the dark moments of your life, the evil and the hurt and the pain. He wants to take it and turn it into good. And he will if you call out to him. He will take all of the bad and turn it into blessing. So call out to Jesus today and begin your journey of discovering the good that God has for you.